Well, hi, this week we're going to start a new series that I have entitled, Yeah, But What About? Uh, kind of a strange title for a series, but we all have those questions. You know, I've sat in church, I've, I've read the Bible, I've been in Bible studies, I've talked to friends and we've talked about how the new life we have in Christ really is different, it changes everything. But then we have this area that's still a struggle, it's still a question, or we run into a new area that we don't seem to be able to figure out how does that beauty of the new covenant apply in this situation that seems so unrelated to anything the Bible even talks about. Well, we're gonna look at those, and I ain't scared <laughs> to, to look at any of them. Can't say I've got the answers to all of them by any means, but I believe that the Holy Spirit will lead us. Um, <clears throat> throughout life, all of us have developed ways of living. I know in the last series there were some times I talked about the flesh and the old thought patterns and those kind of things. And <clears throat> those ways of living, the way we deal with circumstances, the way we figure out what do I do with this relationship? How do I deal with this emotion? How about um, this world scheme that's going on or this pandemic we're just uh, still in the middle of or the, uh, the political realm, whatever. How do, I, how do I deal with what I'm feeling, how I'm reacting? Now those are big things, but what about the little secret ones inside of me that I still deal with that maybe nobody really knows about but me and Jesus? And it doesn't seem to be a real connection there. Well, what we've done over life is we've tried to figure out ways to deal with those things on our own. Okay, this kind of works for me. And those can be the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, anywhere from what a friend of mine calls USDA grade A choice flesh. <laughs> it looks good on the outside, you know, but it's still just the work of the flesh. It's just uh, human effort. Or it could be the old rotten, stinking stuff that's decaying and you know, wouldn't even feed it to an animal. It's just nasty. Okay, so we've developed ways of living that seem to work for us. They seem to get us through the moment. But many times those ways of living cause as much, if not more, problems than they solve. Uh, one time I was reading an article about painkillers and what I found out is that aspirin uh, actually burns a hole in the lining of your stomach <laughs> every time you swallow one. Okay, that's actually a bad thing, but the stomach has this way of healing itself. The lining replenishes itself regularly anyway. So that's not really an, an insurmountable thing unless you take too many aspirin and the stomach can't keep up with the damage the aspirin is calling so, causing. So you take an aspirin to kill pain, but eventually the aspirin is causing you pain because you really need that lining on the inside of your stomach so the stomach acids won't do a lot of harm to your body. All right, so that's an, that's an illustration of doing something to fix a problem that actually creates a problem. And eventually, like I said, if you use that remedy on your stomach too, you know, for your body too often, it eventually causes a big problem for your stomach. Well, a lot of our life choices about how to deal with pain or relationships that are broken or um, how to maintain a friendship, how to protect ourselves from outside uh, sources of, of 
pain and, and suffering in the world or how do I maintain or achieve more happiness in life? A lot of times those methods of living have a downside. Uh, some of them very big. You know, think of drugs and alcohol, you know, illicit uh, use of either prescription or street drugs and those kind of things and alcohol and how they've devastated so many people's lives. But there's other things that don't look so bad. They don't sound so bad. In fact, they're socially acceptable, you know. Um, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid. Just, you know, the guy with the most toys wins, you know, when he dies. And, and so we, we amass stuff and things and friends and all this kind of th things around us in order to give ourselves a sense of meaning, purpose, value, acceptance, love, and all that. And then you realize, well, I got a lot of people around me because I throw big parties and spend a lot of money. If you quit doing that, then they go to somebody else's house and hang out. So it wasn't me they were hanging out with. It was the nice party I threw or whatever. And so you can begin to realize that I'm working hard to get people to prove to me I'm valuable. And what they really value is my money or something else I have to offer that makes them feel good. And I think I mentioned this last week or a couple weeks ago, uh, like one guy says, that's two ticks and no dog. A lot of people in life are trying to get life out of other people who are actually just trying to get life out of them. And there's no real life between them. But Christ came to give us life. Okay, so those things we struggle with, those life dynamics that we've learned to live by, that, yeah, it helps-ish, but it actually creates other problems. And then you get another way to deal with that other problem, which creates its own problems. And then you get a way to deal with those problems that create their own problems. And next thing you know, you've got a menu of things creating problems in your life or my life that were actually meant to solve our problems. Well, that's the state of humanity. Ever since the fall of man, we called it, uh, back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve chose to believe someone else rather than God to solve their own problems uh, the way they felt like they should when they really didn't have any problems, but that was created by the lies they believed, then they began practices and is carried on throughout all the generations of humanity trying to solve problems and actually create problems in the process. Um, so how do we deal with that? What about those things? Okay, so I've got a, a struggling relationship. I've got uh, an inner turmoil that's going on. I've I'm, I'm got my own demons, you hear a lot of people say, you know. Um, how do I deal with that? How do I deal with those things? Another real wise quote I think I've used before in the studies we've had uh, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. <laughs> I heard that from a PhD. I really did. <laughs> and um, it's really interesting how the world has even picked up on that. You know, what is the definition of insanity according to the whole AA 12-step program? Well, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. You know, if, like you said, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. But we don't know what else to do. And a lot of times we buy the idea that, well, on a scale of 1 to 10, if I tried my solution to a 5, 
and it didn't really work as well as I needed it to, rather than scrap it, I'll try it to a six or a seven or an eight or a nine. You finally get to 10 and you're doing it all you can. And the problems are actually growing, not lessening. Okay, that's like using the aspirin too much. You got a pain and you're using too much aspirin. Now you're causing other problems in your stomach. All right, so what do we do? How do we move on? What, what is the practical application of this new covenant? You know, we talked about the mystery that was hidden in plain sight, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Bible says. Okay, so what is this mystery of Christ living in me? What, in me? What is that, what is that, how is that different than just trying to figure this out on my own and come up with a solution that kind of works? Yeah, it might cause some other trouble, but uh, it kind of works. You know, I've, I've heard of additives you can put in your car that uh, will solve a certain problem with the way the engine is running. And it does, it does run a little bit better for a little while, but that additive may be causing other problems that the engine was not designed, because the engine was not designed to use that additive. And yet it might make the, the spark and the uh, ignition and all that kind of stuff and the gasoline ignite better and you feel like you got more power, but it's burning up your valves. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? You know, not every great suggestion that we come up with on our own or someone else comes up with actually is a solution. Uh, it may feel good in the moment. It may seem to give us more power. It may seem to lift our spirits in the moment. But if it's a false hope, and we just have that much farther to fall when it fails. And typically we don't blame the, the remedy or even the person who suggested it. We blame ourselves. Well, I just didn't do it right. I didn't do it hard enough. I wasn't committed enough. I didn't whatever enough. And we go back and we try it over and over and over again, expecting a different result. Well, maybe if I do it twice as much, it'll get better. Well, you get twice as much failed uh, consequences out of doing the wrong thing twice as much. I actually heard a statement years ago, and I remember thinking at the time, there's something radically wrong with that. And this was the statement, a good decision and a bad decision can produce the same result. The difference is, with a bad decision, you just have to push harder. Well, that's actually not a good idea. You know, you, what you wanna do is decide to do things the way God designed us to do. And what was that? Well, from the very beginning, he created us to be like him. And through Christ, he restores that capability. We become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Uh, we become a new creature, 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17. You're a new creature. You're righteous. You're holy. Right? You're an infant when you're born again. You don't know how to do righteousness and holiness, but that's what you are in essence. So we're going to learn to walk in the newness of the life we've been given. Let's look at Romans chapter six, verses one through 14. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? There's the old problem we've dealt with, something that we need to do away with. Can we just say, well, it doesn't matter if we sin because we got grace. Verse two, may it never be. How shall we who have died to sin still live in it? Okay, well, that's 
great idea, but how do you stop doing that? Verse 3, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. He's given us a whole different deal, not methods of self-help and willpower, but the newness of life. Now, I realize that sounds really good, and it's actually very simple, but it's hard for us to see through the fog of the old ways of thinking and the old ways of doing and realize how free and simple this newness of life really is. Verse 5, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, verse 6, that our old self was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. See, there's a, there's a result of this new life we've been given. You're no longer a slave. Verse 7, For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, that he, that the, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, or in the same manner, verse 11, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to Christ, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, in light of all we've just said, that's what therefore means. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it. And do not go on presenting your members of your body uh, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. You see, he gave us something that we don't realize we have, and that is freedom from sin and the power to live a new life. That'd be like me handing you the keys to a car with a full tank of gas and you get behind the wheel but you leave the driver's door open you got your left foot stuck out or maybe in Europe your right foot <laughs> and here you are sitting behind the wheel of the car and you're steering it but you're pushing it with your foot rather than turning the key and letting the power that the gasoline or the diesel whichever, whichever it runs on in the tank put power in the engine to carry you forward so hopefully as we go through this whole series on the yeah, but whatabouts, we're going to see how the power of God is literally in you. And we can access that power to deal with the things that seem to be obstacles in our path. The old demons, the old um, struggles we've had in our thoughts, in our actions, and so forth. You know, Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay, who is he? He's God. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are God. One God. 
three persons. Don't understand that? I don't think anybody actually does, but I think that we try to explain it, but in reality, it's just the truth. So when you received Christ, if indeed you have, God himself now lives inside of you. The tank is full of gas. And that power is not just so you can do any particular thing, but all the things that God created you to do. And what did he create you to do? He created you to bear his image. He created you to live life the way he lives life so that when you live life, others see what he is like. Because that's actually what you are like as a child of God. You've been made and created and born again in his image. And the Bible says in Romans 8, uh, 29 and 30, or 28 and 29, that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. And he's just like the Father and just like the Spirit. So in, they're in that together. It's a conspiracy on their part. They're in it together. And they're going to win. He that began a good work in you will bring it to completion. All right, so... The ways we've learned to live life on planet Earth are sort of in one category. We could call that what the Bible does, the wisdom of the world. Um, we could call it the flesh. The Bible calls it that. Uh, we could call it um, the system of the world, basically that Satan has set up being the God of this world. And all those would be correct. And See, the scripture even tells us that Satan parades around like an angel of light. So he's deceptive. He, he makes it look good. Everybody, nobody jumps into something that's going to destroy them because it looks really bad. Something about it looks really good. When in reality, it's really bad. It's the wolf in sheep's clothing. It is not what it appears to be. The world system never gives you what it promises. It's really interesting. God always delivers on his promise, and it's always good. Satan promises a lot of things, and they're all good promises, but he never delivers. In fact, he gives you the exact opposite of what he promises. Do this, and you will be successful. And you do it with all your might. And in the end, you look back and say, ultimately, my life was a failure. <clears throat> do this, and you'll be happy. And you look back, and I was just tired or worn out, or inner turmoil and depression. Uh, do this and people will love you. And you really realize they didn't love you, they just loved what you were doing, and they were using you. Okay, so he always, the world system always produces the exact opposite of what it promises. It's not capable <clears throat> of producing the good and giving life that God has promised us and indeed gives us through Christ and his indwelling presence, the Holy Spirit, who never leaves his children. He's not jumping in and out. He didn't get busy or have to run off and do something else once in a while. He doesn't get disgusted because he dealt with your sin completely at the cross. And he put it away as far as, far as the east is from the west. So now, <clears throat> when we still dabble in the old ways, and we get caught in the old patterns, the flesh, and those kind of things. Lovingly, he helps us grow to maturity and lay those signs aside and live the new way, the newness of life. You know, Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. You know, I talked about here in Romans 6 about the death we died, we died with him and we were raised with him. Well, Galatians 
2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. But the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So there it is. <clears throat> I died with him. I was raised with him. And he loves me. And I'm learning to trust him day in and day out and respond in the situations where I find myself with friends or enemies, uh, with health or with sickness. It doesn't matter. Wherever I find myself, I'm responding to that circumstance by trusting him to lead me and guide me in that moment to respond the way he does. Again, we looked at this a few weeks back where uh, the book of John records over and over again where Jesus said, the words that I speak, I do not speak of my own initiative or the deeds that I do, the things I do, I do not do of my own initiative. Whatever the Father commanded me to do, that's what I do. Whatever I hear the Father saying, that's what I say. And so he actually gave us an example of what it means to live the Christ life. And the Christ life is living life, trusting the Father that what he says and what he shows us and how he leads us is best for me and everybody else, even if it looks like it's not from the human perspective. Jesus faced that the night he was arrested. He looked at it and said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So he realized, my father says I need to go this way. It doesn't look like the best, but it is the best because he says it is. And I trust him. And guess what? It is the best for all of us. Well, that's where we're headed. We're going to look at various topics starting next week. And... Um, I hope you enjoy it as much as I am studying it and teaching it. And I will pray for us now and we'll come back next time. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you never relent, that you're not making this up as you go. You really knew there's all these things before the foundation of the world and you're guiding us into truth. Uh, you say you sent the spirit of truth to guide us into truth and the truth sets us free. And Father, we accept that freedom we received it when we were born again in Christ. We're learning to live in it as we learn to trust you more and walk with you more uh, consistently each day. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.